your Son, Jesus, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may boldly confess in the of Christ and steadfastly walk in the way that leads to life eternal. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated in the reading of our lessons from God's Holy Word.
singing of the Alleluia verse.
Cool. How many of you are back in school? Hell yes. Cool. That's good. See, and does the teacher ever ask you a question? You get called on? Uh, you get called on in school? And what do you do? You raise your hand. Yeah. Why teachers ask questions? A lot of times you get asked questions, hard questions. And then it, even if you don't get called on, right? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah. Jesus asked the disciples a question. Pastor just read this morning. He said, Jesus said, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say? And do you think the disciples, I bet, I bet they were sitting there. Some say John the Baptist. Some say John the Baptist. Or Elijah. Or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Do you think, do you think Peter raised his hand? Or was Peter just, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter. You know that? Some people. <laughs> Peter probably didn't raise his hand either. He just said, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. You know what Christ means? Anointed one. The chosen one. The chosen one. And Jesus said, right, Peter. And your teacher didn't tell you this, right? You weren't taught this. God has put this in your heart. The Holy Spirit fills us. Peter saw all these miracles that Jesus had done, right? And the disciples, the disciples and the people are waiting for someone to deliver them, someone to take the slavery away and all the history. They want somebody to heal their pains. But Jesus did more than that. He is the anointed one, the chosen one, Remember we said some Bible verses a couple of weeks ago? If you confess, what's it mean to confess? What's it mean? If you confess something, what do you, what do, you do? You know? It means you talk. You, you give up. You confess. And Peter confessed. Peter knew that Jesus is the chosen one. If you confess with your mouth, if you tell people, if you know it, you'll confess, you come to church and pray, and you do the things that we know we should do, right? And if you believe in your heart, God fills your heart with the Holy Spirit. You believe in your heart, and you know that God raised his chosen son from the dead for our salvation. Is that special? Is that special? Yes, that is so special. That is more special than anything your teacher can teach you. You know that? That is. To know that Jesus is your Savior and to live that life. I want to repeat some words that Mr. Schumacher read to us from Romans. I want you to say these words after me, and you might recognize them. We used them in part of the service in recent weeks as the gradual. We say, we say parts of the Bible. 
He just did it gradual, and you might recognize these words. So say them after me. Oh, the depth. Of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Unsearchable judgments. We can't sermon and built on the rock on page nine.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. A stone sculptor has a fascinating challenge. He has to chisel away stone bit by bit until he makes a figure that matches what he saw in his imagination. If he makes one mistake along the way, however, he has to make a choice. He either has to make a smaller piece of artwork, or he has to scrap the whole project altogether. Carving stone is a difficult and mentally exhausting task, and yet renowned artists such as Michelangelo were so well-trained and gifted in this art that they were able to carve out things we perceive as soft and cloth-like. They could carve pillows, drapes, clothing, and even skin out of stone so intricately it wouldn't be until you touched the statue that you would realize you were touching a hard, stony surface. It was almost as if the figure made from stone was the perfect depiction of the artist's dream brought into reality. But these amazing sculptures, just like anything else man-made, are eventually decay and crumble. We are always tempted to call something perfect when it's new or has reached its highest potential. But if something is truly perfect, it would be everlasting. When we say God is perfect, it's not an attribute that we have attached to God ourselves. He is the definition of heavenly perfection. He is the perfect rock that does not crumble or decay. We heard St. Paul quote the prophet Isaiah saying, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? The Lord is his own counselor because there is no one else perfect like him for whom he can seek counsel. Therefore, God is the standard of perfection. He cannot do or be anything else but perfection. But if anyone, imper anyone imperfect was to stand in the presence of God's glory, that person would not just crumble. They would melt away. That goes for anyone. It doesn't matter if you've been a church member your whole life or if you go to church on and on. It doesn't matter if you think you've sinned a little or a lot. If anyone has some form of imperfection, they are not worthy of being in the presence of God. Think back to some of the Old Testament stories of the Ark of the Covenant. If anyone, it didn't matter if it was a priest or a commoner, were to ever so much as grace the mercy seat of the ark, they would die. This isn't because the ark was cursed, but in reality it's the other way around. The person who is imperfect is the cursed one, who by touching the ark was touching the definition of perfection. This ultimately leads to the demise of the cursed being because they cannot live in the perfect presence of God. The curse of sin you and I carry is what makes Jesus' work so invaluable for the church. Because of the cross Christ bore, and the curtain split in two on that Good Friday, his perfect body given up to death allowed a bridge of righteousness to be carved out 
for us sinful humanity to cross over and be with our Father in heaven. Without Christ dying and without the robe of righteousness you wear in your baptism, there would be no chance of eternal life for you. Without the righteousness you wear, the perfection of God would scrape against your unholiness and you would die. But thanks be to God that Jesus, the definition of perfection, also became the definition of sin in our place so that we in the church could live. It's not as if God is being mean to us. It's not as though he wants to take a hammer and smash us into bits and pieces. No, he wants us to be with him in paradise forever and be shaped into his perfection. But he cannot change. The only way for his church to stand before his throne is if he chisels away our impurities and refines us in his Son. Some false teachers, who are also talented at sculpting their craft, piece together a fake truth, one that is not perfect, one that will crumble at the day of judgment. They are the ones, the stone builders, that reject Christ and teach people that God would never kill anyone because he loves us oh so much. Or there will be many people from every religion in heaven because God is too, would be too mean to establish a hell and condemn someone to a life of agony and torment. These false teachers, though, do not understand what it means to be in the presence of God's glory. They do not understand the same God who burned in righteous anger, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. They do not understand that Jesus, what Jesus means by saying, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. They do not understand being conformed to the world is to reject God and to become part of a crumbling statue of the faith in sinful man. Unlike the false teachers, we know that Jesus, the true teacher, saves us only through his atoning sacrifice, not through some other religion or personal philosophy. This, there is assurance in his church that this is all true because of his resurrection. If he did not rise from the dead, this would mean that his body would be imperfect and not any more powerful than death. On the contrary, his resurrection is foundational to the, in showing us that he has power over death and the grave, promising that we too will also be raised one day with perfect bodies, so that we can bask in his glory. This would be a perfect place for me to leave you today, because it is such a wonderful thought that we all in the church are saved and going, through, going to go to heaven one day to be with Christ in the clouds. We are going to have perfect bodies again, just like Adam and Eve before the fall into sin, but we've only scratched the surface. Let's be honest. Until we see our Lord in heaven, we, being the church militant, have to deal with our sinful pride, our imperfect bodies, and a world that wants us to break down now more than ever. We have to deal with it day in and day out. And even though we deal with this turmoil, we are called to use our bodies as perfect statues or a living sacrifice in the world portraying Christ's disciples. We sang about it in our sermon hymn today. 
Yet he who dwells in heaven above chooses to live in us with love, making our body his temple. St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Just like the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, God puts tests in your life so that your faith can be proved. He shapes us with his gospel because he wants you to have the image of Christ who never sinned. But the tests of faith happen so Christ can shine through you, not so your pride can peek it out its ugly head. Without Christ inside of us, it is easy to sin. It's the more common way out of a life with responsibility. Addictions are easy to pick back up. Speeding while driving is almost expected. Ignoring someone who needs help is simple. Just put in a pair of headphones, look at your phone, and, let the, and just watch the world burn. And while we're at it talking about phones, how easy is it to find inappropriate content and send messages talking about someone behind their back? How easy is it to believe that wearing specific kinds of clothing and maybe wearing clothes in an immodest way, causing the public to view the body in an unholy way, is acceptable. These examples are only but a few things, showing that we sinners do not always display our bodies as Christ's temples. It is so also easy, a simple trap of pride, to think that we are better than everyone else in the church for doing churchy-looking things, like teaching Bible studies, Volunteering at church, serving the homeless, visiting the sick, going on church retreats, or supplying needs to the needy. These are not things that gain your salvation. These things can be intended for good, but if you're using these works to justify your salvation and displaying your good deeds to the world to gain attention to yourself, you are redefining what perfection is. Remember, who is the definition of perfection? It's not you. It is Christ and Christ alone. You are the fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ being the chief cornerstone. It is he who saves you and makes your body his temple, a living sacrifice. But it is only those who believe that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice not they themselves, that hear the sculptor's voice and follow in his ways. Many may come to hear God's word, where he this promise is bringing. I know my own, my own know me. You not the world my face shall see. My peace I leave with you. Amen. So if there is one thing that I would want you to take away from the sermon, it is this. Those of you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock, Jesus Christ, 
from which you were hewn, the perfect rock that the stone builders rejected. It is in Christ Jesus you are saved from the wrath of this world, sin, death, and the devil, and also carved into his perfect sculpture through the baptismal life in which the world sees Christ's work of salvation. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now please let us all stand together with all the saints and members of the church. Confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. Jesus is the 
Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God Almighty, you transform your church by the Holy Spirit that she does not conform to the world. Draw forth from your people their proclamation of thanksgiving, that they may tell of all your wonderful, wondrous deeds. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, grant the office for the key may be honored among us in order that we may confess our sin and be absolved in the name of Christ. As you have so graciously forgiven us, grant that we may extend this grace by forgiving others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, care for all families, children, single adults, and youth, that they might steadfastly walk in the ways that lead to life eternal. Grant an increase in wisdom and grace to all who teach and learn. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, grant that all nations and leaders might act for peace, promote godliness, and protect all who are under violence, oppression, injustice, and fear, that all people might have sold. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, care for all victims of disaster, for those stricken by illness or infirmity, for the aged and infirm, for the grieving, and those near death. Especially show your steadfast love to the Kelly. Paul, Michelle, Rob, Dave, Frank, Debbie, Lisa, Eric, Sherry, Joe, and Pat's family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, lead us to repentance and faith that we may not think more highly of ourselves than is right, but that we would set our hearts and minds on the things of God. Prepare us to receive the blessed gifts of our Lord's table, that this food may keep us holy and blameless in Christ, now and when he comes again. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. From you and through you and to you are all things. You, O Father, with the Son of the Holy Spirit, be glory now and forever.
with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks to the grace. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places. Give thanks to your Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God. For the countless blessings we so freely bestow on us and all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him the death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns through all eternity. All who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the coming of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and
Christ strengthen and preserve you the true faith of the life everlasting. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven.